0: Welcome to the La Brea Purveyor. I am your La Brea Purveyor, Pete Phillips. And I'm coming to you this week with a little bit of shock, a little bit of surprise on my face, because this past week, NBC announced that La Brea Season 2 premiere is September 27th at 9. And I thought I had more time to cover the whole series. So we may be a little behind dipping into Season 2. I still don't know how I would be able to manage watching the excitement of the second season while recapping the excitement of the first season. So, I either have to knock out a bunch of episodes fast or figure out how to handle multiple narratives in my head at once. (laughs) So, this week we have the uh, usual things that I hope you've come to know and love. We're going to recap Episode 3 and uh, take a couple of diversions along the way. And then we're going to talk about new theories, new questions that we might have. We're going to do a character recap on Izzy. And then we are going to talk about La Brea in the news. Coming again from Europe this time. Episode, recap. Yeah, yeah. episode 3 is called The Hunt. And this is the first time that I learned that episodes have titles. Uh, You know, sometimes they do in shows and sometimes they don't. So this one is called The Hunt, which makes you think, oh, there's some hunting that's going to happen and you are not wrong. This episode starts with Eve flashing back to her separation from her daughter, Izzy, where Izzy loses grip of her mom, who is encouraging her to run as she falls into the hole. She wakes to find Josh doing better, but Riley still has a grudge against her for leaving her dad behind. At camp, they're handing out food, almost like a soup kitchen, and guess who's in charge, everybody? It's the cop who is directing traffic in the pilot. I am really happy to see her, too. I was worried that she died because she was the first person to fall into the hole, and so, like, I figured everything else would fall on top of her... But that's not exactly how it works, thank God. So, she has piled all the food together in one spot. Hey. Thank you. What's going on? Uh, the traffic cop decided to gather what food was left and start rationing it. I've heard of worse ideas. You didn't get the pickle and onion tortilla chips. What's the matter? Don't you have some protein bars hidden somewhere? You know, if you You know what, why me- don't you go enjoy your breakfast somewhere else? Josh, who sucks, gets mouthy with Mary Beth, which isn't warranted at this juncture. For someone who's been a drain on resources like Josh, I feel like he is not in a place to be criticizing anyone right now. And then suddenly, a giant ass sloth appears, and everyone takes cover, and they watch it eat every bit of food that they had. In handing out the food, they took all of the food and put it into one place, so that made it really easy for the giant sloths to come and eat all of their food pretty quickly. (laughs) the Megatherium is not a new cryptocurrency. Instead, it's another name for the giant ground sloth, which could weigh up to 4 tons and be up to 20 feet long. It's likely that the La Brea camp has met an Erymatherium, a similar-sized cousin that is about 15 to 20 feet and about 3 to 6 tons. These beasts roam South America and Southern North America. The disappearance of the Erytherium coincides with the quaternary extinction event which saw the arrival of humans in the americas and the extinction of many large or giant animals that were larger than or comparable to size of humans such as mammoths or ground sloths if it were up to our pals in the hole i think they would also hope that it went extinct because this roaming sloth ate all of their food Meanwhile, Gavin is hanging out with the Department of Homeland Security. He's been tasked with remembering what Los Angeles looked like in 10,000 B.C. That's a doozy of a job, but not enough. Gavin wants to fly the whole plane into the hole. But he's not in the Air Force anymore, so he can't go on this mission. And he's also got one kid left, and she would absolutely lose her whole entire family if the mission goes bad. Nobody really brings that up, but it's true. Even though no one asked him... Gavin suggests Levi Delgado to pilot the plane. They have a history, so that should be interesting. When we finally see Levi, it's in a soft-focus flashback to when Izzy lost her leg, and he told Gavin to stop talking about his visions. It turns out, while Gavin tried to drink away his visions, Eve confided in Levi, and if he didn't get sent on a mission to Germany, I think something romantic would have bloomed. It didn't, as far as we know. But Levi is the man who's going to fly into the hole now, and I suspect that he will look like a pretty good snack to Eve when he gets there. Tasty treats? Are we the tasty treats? Are the tasty treats in this scenario? Yes, we're the tasty treats. Scott tells the gang in the hole that he thinks they're in the past. Eve backs him up, but no one wants to really focus on being lost in time. Instead, they turn to hunting so that they can stay alive while they figure out what the heck is going on. So they go hunting. Eve and Ty are out together, and she starts asking Ty about himself since he knows so much about her, and she doesn't know much about him. He's kind of dodgy, though, and he sticks to the task. I'm hunting weapons. <laughs> Mary Beth tries to talk with Lucas, remember, her son, but he's not having it. He isn't buying the whole time travel business, either. He's more set on finding other humans that can tell him how to get home. Sam tells Riley that he can't feel his legs. If you remember last episode, he fell off of a cliff and hurt his back. Well, it turns out that fluid is building in his spine, and he can't feel his legs. This is especially bad for a Navy SEAL doctor. One thing I didn't mention before is that Riley is supposed to be a doctor like her dad, but she dropped out without telling him. Now, someone needs to perform surgery on Sam, who is the resident doctor, and she's next in line. But they need an anesthetic, something to numb Sam so that he doesn't feel getting cut open. Josh says he'll search the cars and see what he can find, But Scott remembers the obvious answer, the trunk full of coke. Meanwhile, Eve and Ty get stuck in a cave, trying to escape a bear attack. A bear feels so frivolous in this setting, but it's still scary nonetheless. Once they get their bearings, no pun intended, they find Lucas and Mary Beth in the cave too. Oh boy, talk about an odd gang. Mary Beth seems a little bit more tolerable when she's with her son, even though her son doesn't seem to want her around. Eve, Ty, Marybeth, and Lucas are wandering around the cave that they're stuck in. One way is a dead end, but where will the other way take them? It seems like to a nice underground pond. Aww. And while some may see this as a dead end, Ty sees it as a chance to swim out. But with all underwater cave swim possibilities, you never know how long you'll be underwater, so you could drown. While everybody else is talking about how dangerous it could be, Ty jumps in and starts swimming. On the surface, Gavin and Levi, and the Department of Homeland Security, plan their trip into the hole. While reminiscing with Izzy, she mentions how much her mom liked Germany. Germany is where Levi had his new orders. Gavin never went there with Eve, so, I mean, you do the math. 44 minus 4, 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 minus 4 4 Levi also says that he chose to go to Germany, where in flashbacks he made it sound like he was forced to go there because of a reassignment. And Gavin, by the way, is no dummy. He's catching on. And things are really getting interesting for those of us who look for drama. Sam is so high as Riley conducts surgery. He's supposed to tell her what to do, but he actually passes out during his own surgery. So she has to figure out what to do for the rest on her own. And she does, but only because Josh was actually listening when Sam was giving her all of the steps to do. It's one of those mini dramas in the show that you know will work out just fine, but It passes time, and it shows us that Riley is getting braver and possibly more confident in her medical abilities. It also gives Josh a chance to look supportive and be close to Riley. Before Levi goes into the hole, Gavin needs to confront him about what he's observed. Look, we both know how these missions can go. I don't want to leave anything unsaid. Why did you leave for Germany? I was transferred. You're not telling me the truth. You just told Izzy you chose to go there. Yeah, just let it go. Levi, look at me and tell me I'm wrong. Why'd you leave? I left because I couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle what? You and Eve... have to understand he was scared and you were drinking all the time talking about some place we didn't know it was real do you still have it yeah but I'm sorry so a good friend who fell in love with your wife while you were at an all-time low, is now piloting an experimental plane that will go into the hole to save her. Awkward! In the cave on the other side of the pond, the group find a skeleton with a Kelso Valley shirt on. Guess where Kelso is? In the part of the Mojave Desert that includes California. So we know about the Mojave Hole, but I don't think our underground explorers do. The other thing is that the skeleton had a gun. Lucas loses hope, but not everyone is so quick to give up. Kelso is actually a defunct railroad depot in the Mojave National Preserve in San Bernardino County, California. It was later named after railroad worker John H. Kelso, whose name was placed into a hat with two other workers to decide the name of the town. The town was built in 1905 specifically as a railroad station along the rail line between Utah and Los Angeles, originally called Siding 16 because of its location and nearby springs that provided abundant water. Starting off as a simple train depot in the 20s, the town of Kelso boomed briefly to as many as 2,000 residents in the 1940s, when borax and iron mines were opened nearby. Gold and silver were also discovered in the nearby hills of what became known as the Kelso District. The town shrank again when the mines closed after about a decade. By the mid-1990s, the railroad was on the verge of demolishing the depot. Preservationists then stepped in to save it. In 2005, it was renovated to become the Mojave National Preserve's visitor center. The facility is currently closed for repairs. Reopening is anticipated for the spring of 2023. To wrap up the episode, Sam wakes up from his opiate nap, as we all knew he would, and after a couple of seconds attention, he starts to move his toes. Riley did it. Sam's proud. Whatever. After our four friends exit the cave, Eve finds some shrooms that you can eat, which is what they bring back to camp. So they're not bringing back any animals, any meat, but they are bringing back some sustenance. Ty says, quote, Eve really came through for everyone, end quote, which is a line that I want you to remember because we're going to talk about it in an upcoming episode with a guest. We also learned that Mary Beth shot Lucas' father, and that's why he's so rough and abrasive with her. But that was a short aside, and we don't really have many other details. Ty also comes clean about his situation, why he's put himself in so much danger. He has a terminal brain tumor, and he's lost his purpose in life. He has pushed everyone away and come close to shooting himself. So at this point, he asks Eve to hold on to his gun so that he doesn't use it to kill himself. And while we're confessing, Eve admits that she was quote-unquote with someone when Izzy had the car accident that resulted in her lost limb. I think we can all guess who she was with, right? Levi. Lastly, Levi boards the plane, and Gavin asks him to give Eve her wedding ring back when he gets to her. He may give her a little more, huh? A bushel and a peck A bushel and a peck And a hug around the neck The plane goes into the hole, and at a certain depth, they lose contact with Levi because he flew through the hole back in time. Duh. I don't know why nobody thought that that would happen, but on the surface, as far as they know, he had an engine fire and they lost contact. But in the hole, he's actually hanging from a tree by parachute straps, and he wakes up in the final seconds of the episode. What just happened? I don't know, listeners. I think episode three was a little meh. We don't really get many answers, and the big introduction of Levi was pretty straightforward and functional, if you ask me. We're certainly accepting that the gang fell back in time, so we can just put that in the okay, I get it column. We still don't know much about the handprint symbol, so we'll keep our eyes peeled for that in upcoming episodes. One question that I have given the farewell of Levi into the hole, If Eve's wedding ring is already 12,000 years old, when Levi goes back, will it survive another 12,000 years? And does that ring serve as a metaphor for the Harris family unit? Remember, they're separated. No one signed divorce papers to make a permanent split. But no one planned for the wrinkle at the end of the episode either. That being Levi being in the hole. So, like I said, at the end of the episode, Levi is hanging in a tree by a parachute. I guess we don't have any questions about that, except that Eve was watching the sky when Levi's plane burned up and crashed, so why didn't she see it happen? And just how far are people spread out when they fall through this hole? We knew that Lucas landed a couple miles away, but will they ever stop finding new people? Is there like another camp of survivors, maybe 5-10 miles away? At this point, too, I want to entertain a personal interest. What is the traffic cop's daily life like? Not just her, but everyone else. Like, what are they doing to pass the time? Do the other people at the camp think that our main characters are like uppity do-gooders or meddlers of some sort? Or do they see them as their only hope? Last week, I asked if Josh would be more annoying after he was well, and he is. He has this chip on his shoulder. Even though he survived a wolf attack and falling through the hole, I feel like it's all unnecessary. It's time to work as a team and not as a teen. Veronica, Lily, Tony, and Billy are all not featured in this episode. And maybe that's why it fell a little flat for me, because the Harris family drama can only take me so far. And Mary Beth and Lucas are also just a little too vague right now. This episode was necessary to advance the plot, but left me wanting more than just Levi Delgado's forbidden love. Digging deeper. After the third episode, let's take a look at Izzy. Izzy is a big character for primetime network television because she's portrayed by someone with an actual limb difference. As much as Zyra Gorecki is getting press for her portrayal and leveraging that notoriety for the charity amputee Blade Runners, I still see Izzy as kind of flat. But it is in episode 3 where we discover that she could maybe have a reason to take sides or get emotional soon, because she may discover what went on with Levi and Eve. NBC characterizes Izzy as a 16-year-old, self-serious, and a little clever for her own good. Smart and perceptive, kind beyond her years. Izzy is Eve and Gavin's daughter. She is studious, sharp as a tack, straightforward, she's never afraid to speak her mind. About 16 months ago, she was in a car accident, lost her leg, and now has a prosthetic one. When a sinkhole opens up, Izzy narrowly escapes, being swallowed by the earth, but watches in horror as her brother and mother disappear into the depths below. She is seen arguing with her brother in the first scene of La Brea. That's a little much. They were like, just brother-sister stuff. But later, it is revealed that she would do anything to bring him home. She also defends her father against Josh. I think Izzy is traits that I wish I had. She has this really special ability to be vulnerable. And that's a really, really hard thing to do. So I think, actually, you see a lot of big things happening with Izzy, I guess I want to say. She really changes throughout the season. And I think David did a really, really good job of showing what it's like being a 16-year-old girl, you know, up against all these crazy things with, you know, having to bond with her dad again after the separation, having to deal with losing her mom and her brother and trying to get them back, having to deal with being a 16-year-old girl with crazy hormones and everything. Um, and I think you, you definitely see that array of emotions with Izzy. In every interview, the defining characteristic that Goriki assigns Izzy is vulnerability. And maybe that will come through later, but I can't say that I see it now. She's kind of balancing the other side of this split family dynamic, where Josh is teen angsty in the hole, Izzy is on the surface, where Gavin tries to take control and figure out what's going on, Eve does the same inside the hole. I'm open to accusations of being biased, I haven't kept my Harris family feeling secret, but Izzy just feels uh, the least developed of the family members so far, and maybe that's good for her because she can grow into just about anything as the season continues. In the Media Reviews. With the Paramount Plus release of La Brea in the UK, critic Anita Singh of The Telegraph has this to say. If you're happy with cheesy dialogue and characters having to run away from a CGI saber-toothed tiger after falling into a giant sinkhole that is a portal to a prehistoric dimension, then this show is for you. Check... (laughs) That hole opens up while Eve is doing a school run in Los Angeles with nearly grown up children Izzy and Josh. Izzy manages to flee, but Eve and Josh fall into another world where logic does not apply. Why are some of the cards that fell into the hole perfectly intact, but others are not? Why are some people dead and the rest are unharmed? Why has the fall not messed up Eve's hair? You can't take La Brea seriously. The characters are cutouts. And the primordial predators aren't remotely frightening because the CGI budget wasn't high enough. It's not a good show, but perhaps it's not trying to be. It's popcorn entertainment that will keep you reasonably amused as it barrels along in its own silly way. And again, I have to tell you, that's why I love the show. So, come on back next week if you are still interested in La Brea and you're still hanging in there with me. I hope that we get a little bit of our side characters in the next episode. And maybe finally we'll learn a little something about that handprint symbol and what it all means. If you're enjoying this show and you want to participate in it, like be on the air, shoot us an email, something like that, you can um, contact us at our parent podcasts email, shout at y'allheard.me. Y'allheard.me is our website uh, for the Y'all Heard podcast with me, Pete Phillips, and Marissa Phillips. We're not related. You can find other episodes of this podcast at the Y'all Heard Patreon page, which is at patreon.com slash y'all heard. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you back next week. Yeah.